Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Season 2, Higher Balance Classics, Timeless Teachings. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp fighting supplement on the market. I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is of course uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about, maybe I should go to the emergency room. Since I've used Cramp Medic, I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days. That's how effective it is. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your in your system. We have mainly all positive reviews. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, you know, acid buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. It is very, very effective. It is going to get in there. Electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it. Crampmedic.com. The other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute store, HBI, or higherbalance.com. We've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. Uh, People have said over the years it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, We're doing our best to do that. Having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, We do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes. Uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, one thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering, because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before the, all those other ones start arriving. Uh, back for availability and we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the the bulk of uh information here which i'm very proud of um so that's what i have to say in that please check out higher balance institute uh you know or higherbalance.com and uh support higher balance please get uh try out uh cramp medic for family friends anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular it it truly is the best product out there. No foams, no creams. You don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs. Uh, No need for tablets. One shot, seven days, phenomenal. If you are interested in acquiring Eric Pepin's books, visit higherbalancebooks.com.
I believe that the planet is a living organism floating in space. I believe that all the living creatures on the planet are part of that microorganisms to the Earth. I believe that the human race is the central nervous system of the planet. It's like to say to you, are you the only thing of your body that thinks? Most people say, yes, I'm the only thing that thinks. I would say, no, you're not. You are made out of trillions, I use the word, not millions, not billions, trillions, probably more than that even, of living organisms in your body. All who think individually, on their own, without any assistance on your part. For instance, you have blood cells, red and white blood cells, okay? White cells, for instance. White cells will find a virus. They will size up that virus. They can attack it, destroy it, whatever. They decide they can't. They summon, communicate to other white cells to kind of get together. When they sense that there's enough of them, they will attempt an attack. Is that not rationalization? Is that not a form of intelligence? In my opinion, absolutely it is. On your skin, you have billions of arachnoid-like creatures, spider-like creatures, all choosing their mate, having children, knowing which children are theirs, which isn't, knowing their territory size, etc., etc., etc. Is that not intelligence? Absolutely is. In your eye. You have millions of living organisms again, protozoan living organisms, all knowing which species is theirs, which isn't, which to attack, which to run from. Is that not intelligence? It absolutely is. You are made out of trillions of living organisms. Right? One inch of your body that doesn't have packed millions and millions of living organisms in it, all who work for one being, you, one singular being. Yet they are all individual and independent within you, right or wrong. If you become depressed, if you become psychologically distressed with yourself, you can create cancer, tumors, ill health, bad cellular structure, collapsing of your arteries, etc., etc. We know it is a scientific fact now. They've also found what? When people have illnesses, that if you think positively, that cells tend to regenerate. They tend to reciprocate somehow to you. They tend to know that there is a drive or a will that's saying you need to do certain things. You need to, to create and you need to, to enliven the body. They believe also that that has to do with your consciousness communicating with this giant living organism of a body. Now, taking that in consideration, your body's roughly about 75% water, 25% mass. Do you also know that the planet is about 75% ocean and 25% mass? Which I really truly think that that's a coincidence, to be very honest with you. But it's an amazing coincidence of that. Your body regulates its own body temperature, 98.6 degrees. The Earth which exists on the outside of it is space, which is sub-zero and below, still maintains its own temperature on its own. Very similar. Do you know that in World War II, or World War I, I can't quite remember anymore, that when we ran out of plasma, do you know what we used for blood? Basically purified ocean water, and the body accepted it. What gives you life it's found in the ocean. It's found in the earth. All the vitamins and minerals that make electrons in your body. One teaspoon. It's tons and tons of it. I mean, think about where you get your nutrition from. From the earth. Plants, vegetables, meats, grasses eaten by cows. Whatever. It's still a transformation. It's a recycling of, of different forms of minerals. All of that is what gives you life. It's found in the earth also. The question is, if you have micro-living organisms inside of your body that give you life, 
which is the words micro and macro, micro being the very small, macro being the very large. If all the species on the planet is the micro, then how does it think? How does the Earth think if it's a living organism? It's very simple. Your brain uses what is called low radiation impulses. That's how you create thought in your mind. Okay? Well, do we know what electricity is? No, we don't. We've learned how to harness it. If you read in the encyclopedia of 15 chapters, neurons, protons, photons, electrons, etc., 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 says at the end of the chapters, well, folks, truth to the matter is we really don't know what electricity is. We simply learn how to harness it. We can do really neat things with it, but we really don't really know what electricity is. So understanding that and understanding that the mind uses a form of energy, electricity, if you will, then we have to take something into consideration. In about 1940, there was monkeys on an island that was being researched. There was a food shortage. And they started feeding what looked like sweet potatoes or yams to the monkeys. They would throw them out to them. It would fall in the dirt. The monkeys would pick it up, eat most of it, spit it out, and they only eat the inner core. They observed a baby monkey had dropped his potato in water, learning how to wash his potato. The baby monkeys who played with that baby monkey obviously learned to wash their potato. The mothers who nursed the young learned to wash their potatoes, and the males that mated with the females learned to wash their potatoes from the females. This took about a year and a half to get up to about 100 monkeys, but they all learned to wash their potato on an isolated island. What took a year to a year and a half on an isolated island, what's most amazing now is, is that within about two months, it was observed that monkeys all over in captivity in the United States, in Asia, in the mountains, in zoos, everywhere in the world, began demonstrating one thing that was amazing. They started washing their food instinctually. So the question is, is how did they know? How did they learn this new instinct? It's called collective consciousness. In other words, I believe that the monkeys, their brave brain wavelength is as frequency as like 106.7 or 98.5. It's exclusive to that species. When enough of that consciousness builds up in a momentum, instead of independently over a long, long time, it builds up and they're still kind of thinking this new conscious thought or effort. I believe it's like throwing a stone in water. It makes a ring that encompasses the planet. As each species that's on a similar wavelength, which is basically the same species of monkey per se, it builds up, builds up, and builds up until it encompasses the whole planet as a form of thought, as a form of consciousness. Am I boring you? No. Good. <coughs> so it would be to surmise that each species on this planet has this kind of collective consciousness within their own species. Whales, dolphins, lions, beavers, whatever, even human beings in a very complex way. And that this energy consciousness constantly moving around is the consciousness collectively of the planet. The same way you have billions of living creatures telling you what's going on, cells, nerves, even a nerve is made out of millions of living organisms, cells. Each of contract and expand and react to different impulses, allowing electrons to have the form of data. It was created by their consciousnesses, collectively building as other nerves add to that information until it gets to one central processing point, you. Do you understand? So do we do the same thing for the planet? I mean, why does the planet need to have arms and legs to be a living thing? Why does it have to be micro when it can be absolutely larger than us? Why does everything have to be smaller than us that's existing or about our size? It's just in the spectrum of our conscious capability of understanding that limits us. So again, I believe that the planet is a living organism. 
we know that you have an energy field that radiates from your body. We know that plants have it. We know that all objects basically have it, okay? What was amazing is, is we found out there's an energy field that goes around the planet, even over the deserts and the deepest parts of the ocean. An energy field, a soul, a, a sense of being, whatever you want to call it. Somebody once said to me, well, if the plant's a living organism, steel, steel's not alive. If we tuck your muscle out of your arm and we laid it on the table, what distincts it from life and not life? It's actually movement. According to science, it's an interreaction. So if we take a negative and a positive form of electricity and we touch the muscle, what happens to the muscle? It expands, it retracts. I mean, think about your body. Why does your body function the way it does? Because you as an electrical being have taken this mass and you have learned to manipulate and control it. Arm go up, goes up. Arm go down, it goes down. You make your fingers move in a precise rhythm. It took you years to learn how to do it. How many tables did you fall over? Even as teenagers, your body changed. You had to adapt your muscles and your body to be controlled by your consciousness, electricity again. So the point is, is that this expansion and retraction is a portion of life. All things move. All things of life have a, a movement to them. Well, I believe everything's living no matter what it is on this planet. They can put it any way you want. It's, it's alive. They even now get frequencies from stones emitting high frequencies. They know that plants on a high frequency level, when you kill another plant, will squelch uh, really, really high. And so they know that there's a reaction without the, the plants being even near it. Steel. Steel's not alive. Well, you know, you have to look at it in a different point of view. One, steel lasts longer than our life expectancy, so we don't view it in the same context as we do. It's, it's limited thinking as human beings. Think of it this way. Does steel not bend and retract to heat and cold? Absolutely. And much like you that have diseases and, and, and infections and such, doesn't steel also have rust, abrasion, corrosion, deterioration? Absolutely. And much like you, when you get a wound or a cut, don't the red cells all compile up as a microverse and start healing your wound and repairing the damage and cleansing it and refining it? Who on this planet takes care of all the skyscrapers and all the bridges and all the steel structures? Who paints them? Who welds the cracks? Who maintains them? The human beings, the microverse of the planet. If you look at your arm and you put it out, you envision all of your veins. What is moving through your veins? Blood. Billions of cells moving backward and forward, moving things, exchanging data, doing different things for your whole body, movement. What are all the highways? What are all the jetways? What are all the other forms of communication? All part of a living organism. It's just a different kind of concept of viewing it. Let's imagine we're on an island. This island is, is absolutely huge. It's monstrous. It's massive. We see all the trees and all the flowers and butterflies floating around and birds and hawks moving around the upper parts of the mountains. We can see clouds up top there through the rainforest and upper parts of the mountain. And we just think to ourselves, my God, it would take forever to explore this island. It could take us weeks and weeks, you know, just to take it all in. It's just huge. And we can see the ants crawling on the ground and we can see the spiders and we can see the trees and we can see everything from a larger and smaller scale, almost microverse, macroverse, larger. And we decide we're going to go on a boat ride, so we hop on our boat, and we start to head out to sea, and you're sitting on the back drinking a pina colada or something, and looking at this island, how majestic, how beautiful. And as you move further and further out to sea, the island starts to become a little bit more blurred in its structure. It starts to meld into each other, and as you move further away, you begin to see the edges of the island. You can see how big it is now. And as you move further away, it becomes smaller and smaller until it starts to look like one large object in the distance, like one big stone, one big structure, one thing. 
If we go into it, we see all the superstructure, the, the detail. If we move out like a microscope versus a telescope, we see nothing but a large structure. Understanding that, we could take a syringe to your arm and take out blood. And if the blood was intelligent enough to realize this, it could swim up to the glass of the syringe and look back at you and it would say, Where's all the other blood cells? Where's Harry, the white cell? Where's Julie, the red cell? Where is everybody? What the hell is this one big giant thing with these flapping arms and tentacles coming from its body? And it goes and it shoots back into the bloodstream. And all of a sudden, it sees all of its friends again. It goes back into your universe. We know most likely that the universe started off with the Big Bang, a giant explosion of gases that created mass and condensed molecules, etc., etc., creating a giant explosion. It's expanding forever outward. How do we know this? Well, we know that the Earth is moving away from the sun about an inch a year. We know the moon is moving away from the Earth about an inch and a half a year. Billions of years ago, this happened. It's just kind of a slow movement at this point, but still an expansion. Which means now that most likely it's like a big ball, a big thing of stars, planets, and universe. Billions and billions and trillions beyond our imagination, so we won't even try to think that hard on it. And it's expanding. What is it expanding in? It's probably expanding in absolute nothingness, pure black, infinity. No planets, no stars, no meteorites, not even dust. But at its borders, within it, much like your body, you could say that you're moving around in absolute nothingness. But what everything that's contained is the boundary of your expanding body as it's been growing since infancy, since you started off smaller than a microbe within a womb. You've expanded. So is the universe expanding. Astronauts when they're in space, they all agree that they can't relate to their house anymore, their, their kids, their swimming pool, nothing. Because they say that it looks like just one living thing. It looks like a living being. And the ancient word for it is Gaia. So if you imagine it, you're on land, you've got your boat, you got your car, you got little microverse going on and everything like we're in right now. And all of a sudden you move away from the planet. You can see the whole planet now floating. Not just being able to look in any direction, just seeing hills and mountains, but just imagine the whole planet below you is one living thing. And all the microverse, the red and white cells of the human beings and billions of living organisms, just like you and within your body. So we get on our spaceship, and for the sake of it, we're going to imagine that our spaceship can move faster than the speed of light. We can just imagine we sit on the back of the spaceship, kind of like the back of our boat, and we're looking at the planet, and we're like, ooh-ah, ooh-ah. We start to move into space. We go past all of our planets and solar systems and stuff, head out of the universe, head into multi-universes and cosmoses. We just keep going and going. And remember what it says about the universe being this expanding object, constantly growing. And as we keep going through some little tiny molecular section of this, we move through all of it. We get to the edge of the entire universe. And we get to the very edge and we shoot out into pure infinity, pure nothing. No planets, no stars, no nothing. And we're sitting on the back and we look through the window and we see all these sparkles everywhere, millions of sparkles. And those are stars and suns. And as we move further away, all of a sudden, like the island, all of a sudden, like the Earth, to move away, we can see the edges of the expanding multi-universes. And as we move further away, it gets smaller and more condensed and starts to look like a big, glowing, globular object floating in pure black. And do you know what that is? That's God. The body of God. And everything inside of it is the matter. Like we are matter. God's soul, prana, the force, is the energy that intertwines it all. It's what interconnects it. It permeates all things. Just like your body is conscious of everything, but yet not aware of any one thing. Same thing. You are made in the image of God, but in a much different way than man ever expected. Not with hands and feet 
but is an inner cosmos, your liver, your kidney, all made out of different kinds of organisms, yet cooperating and working together to create a synchronicity of life to create one being. It's duplicated over and over and over from microverse to macro to very large. The ultimate question is, where did everything come from? I'll try to, to keep it into such a manner. Plus, we have the tape going, so I'll have to search for words to explain it. I'll use analogies, in so I hope that's noted on the tape. In the very beginning, there was absolutely nothing. Pure black, pure infinity, pure space. No dust, no planets, no stars, nothing. Not even particles, not even atoms. Nothing. Absolute, infinitive, forever and ever and ever. Nothing. Pure black. But because there is nothing, there's one thing that is an opposing force, has to be. That's called a vacuum, which is known as the vacuum of space. Quite literally, the vacuum of space could be considered like a pressure, like putting your hand on a vacuum cleaner and it's sucking on you. There's, there's a draw, there's a pull, okay? Of course, it's being generated from a machine, but in this case, because there's nothing, it's like sucking all the air out of a Ziploc bag, okay? Of course, a Ziploc bag's got edges. So you might say the universe somehow is so big that it's so heavy that it creates a vacuum in itself. It's pulling on itself, okay? That's the hardest part to kind of explain to somebody. So if you can kind of get past that and envision, okay, I can envision pressure. If you were to teleport, which means to disappear and reappear in the middle of space, at the beginning of time, beginning of anything, the second you would appear, you would have been torn into a billion pieces smaller than molecules. It just would have sucked you apart. It would have exploded you. Pressure was so intense. Now, in visualizing this tension, with tension, you could say it's friction. But even beyond friction, more intense than that was the creation of an energy. This pulling created a kind of energy. It was called free electrons. And it was this tension that created billions of them forever and ever and ever, like oceans of universes, this pack, like smoke, thicker than water. But because me and you can't see it, because it's so fine, so absolute microscopic, so beyond molecular, it's even almost impossible for us to conceive it. But there was so much of it. It was so intensely full because it's all that existed. It was this energy created from this suction, this, this pull in the universe. Now, we may as well not even use the word time. Time cannot exist until matter exists. But you can imagine if we did have a concept of time, you're talking about billions and trillions Trillions of years beyond imagination. Before there was God, before there was anything. What eventually happened was, was something. You see, because something must always happen. It's a numbers game. If I said to you, do you think that you'll win lotto this week? You'd probably say no. If I says, do you think you'll win it in this lifetime? You'd probably say probably not. Because the chances of winning lotto are one in what, like 18 million or something, right? But let's say you were immortal, okay? And you could live forever. And we knew you were going to live longer than 18 million years. And you played Lotto every day. Do you think you'd win? You'd have to. Yeah. Statistically speaking, you'd win because you're going to live, live for 18 million years. It's one in 18 million. So eventually you're going to win. So eventually anything's going to happen in the universe. Eventually. Do you see what I'm saying? Providing all the circumstances are set up. And in this particular case, they were. So what you have now is the only way that I can envision it is if we had a super powerful microscope, what you would see would be what I what I imagine as being like little chocolate chips, okay? Kind of like flat squares, the only way I could describe them. 
and they just kind of float. There's billions of them, and they just kind of like move back and forth ever so gently, like vibrating. And it's as if they're moving in a direction very slow, but so slow it's not even gaugeable to us, but they are moving. But what happens is one of these that were moving a certain direction, shimmering, like hit into another one. And let's say it created like the letter T, okay? Like one connected this way and the other one connected to the center. And instead of them all shimmering this way, it started to rotate in an opposite direction, creating a different kind of electrical current. That electrical current, much like a little tiny bead the size of a pea for a mountain rolling down as a snowball, started to accumulate and catch on to other floating pieces, per se. And until it started attaching, it started creating an electrical pulse. Okay? Created a different kind of electron, a different kind of pulse of energy. And because electricity isn't affected by, per se, gravitation or friction or anything in that manner, it became a living thing within itself, just without a mind or a consciousness or a purpose yet. But much like you could say in a womb, the egg and the sperm being so infinitely small, it was the creation of life, which became you, which is absolutely large in comparison. So is this the creation of God. So over millions and trillions of years, it became more complex and more complex and more complex. And its source of food was this, this shimmering type energy, this, this free electrons, if you will. And it kept attaching and multiplying and expanding itself, becoming more complicated. Eventually, it has energy going, and it's becoming more complex as a living organism, per se, a living form of energy, okay? Over trillions and thousands of years, it became more complex and more complex, and as it drew together, atoms were being created, and molecule structures, and they were spiraling around other electrons and moving. It became more and more complex until molecules started becoming matter, very, very faint levels of matter, very, very complex forms of matter, okay? And it was still all contained in this like thing of energy. Now, the one question you may say to yourself is, <clears throat> when did it become intelligent, or did it become intelligent? And my opinion is, is it did become intelligent, and an intelligence so much different than ours, it's hard to conceive. Yeah. The universe can be explained with numbers. Numbers are the galactic code to the whole universe. It's a language. Putting that aside, everything that has a rhythm has a number. Every pattern has a number. Every pattern is a pattern because it's repetitious. And repetitious means it's calculable. Do you understand? So when you have an electron from point A go to point B, and it's constantly going, it's 13. Per se, is a number, not to be precise. But it's patterns, okay? Well, we have learned that According to the chaos theory, everything is predictable. Even running water, because of the way it splashes, actually can be patternized into patterns. We can calculate eventually how the water is going to hit. Eventually, it keeps a pattern. We, we put it to light screens, and it creates like kaleidoscopes, but it's the same pattern over and over and over again, which means nothing is random. We could bounce the ball. Maybe there's a million variables, but it only goes up to a certain million. And then after that, it's the same pattern predictable within that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is the universe, this energy, I believe God started to become aware of, its, of itself, its pattern. Something collectively went together. You see, everything works in a collective pattern in the universe, in my opinion. Everything has a process that it, it contributes to. It contributes. It's like a giant database, if you will. So all these little electrons, all these little things had to accumulate to some pattern. They, 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 they naturally seek out a purpose. It's like evolution, if you will. It's, it's just natural to the laws of physics to create refined 
patterns, refined patterns, create intelligence. <coughs> God became intelligent over billions and trillions of years as an energy, as a giant, giant form of prana, the force, whatever, before anything existed. Well, I believe there are levels of energy. Energy can be denoted as levels of dimensions, third dimension, fourth dimension. I believe there's thousands of dimensions, not just four or five dimensions, thousands. God, starting up here, some kind of complex energy, okay, started to create more denser forms of electricity. Those denser forms of electricity slow to, to lower variables, okay? It's kind of like, imagine, standing by a highway. You're at the lowest frequency. A car driving past you 20 miles per hour, you can't see what's going in there. You don't know what they're doing. Just, boom, it goes by. And a car doing 50 goes by even faster. And then a car doing 75 goes by faster. And 100 even goes faster, okay? They're all different levels of dimension. If you get in the car doing 50 miles per hour, can you see what the car doing 20 is doing? No. You're going right past it. Can you see what the car doing 75 is doing? No. It's going past you. It's a vibration. It's a tonal. But another car is doing 55 and you're doing 55. You can look over because you're moving at the same frequency. Okay? You can now see the person reading a book, chewing gum, what kind of gum they might be putting in their mouth as they lift it because you're, you're at the same frequency. Okay? With happened was that this energy being, if you want to call it God, started to create internally within itself higher and lower frequencies. Do you see what I'm saying? As it created different molecules, if you will, different electrons, different impulses, they, they condensed to, to different weights, if you will, different forms of energy speeds. Okay. Well, eventually it got down to a current that electrons would instantly solidify to become gases like water, like raindrops that are so humid, but as they accumulate, they become heavy, they become water. Think of it as energy. Energy became to a point where it started to solidify, and they became different kinds of gases which were incoherent with one another. When that happened, the largest explosion of all times happened beyond anything of all the nuclear weapons we could create on this planet all exploded at the same time with media. Far out of a piece acid appears since the planet is what happened. What happened was when it got to that point between the energy and the molecules condensing in the way they did, it created a superfusion explosion. And what happened was as soon as this energy was released and it was sucked out from the higher dimensions per se, the higher electrons, they instantly glued together and certain ones were attracted like magnets to specific other ones. And it solidified and it created matter. And the matter solidified very quickly and there was an explosion which separated it all into a million infinitive directions. And that was the creation of God. In this dimension, it was the creation of matter. Do you understand? Yeah, but you said in this dimension, what is that? Why is that? Because I believe God exists in multiple dimensions. I believe this is just one dimension. Well, ask yourself one thing, okay? Are you one-dimensional or are you multidimensional? Let's think about it. When I say, say the alphabet, where do you say the alphabet? You hear it in your head. Where does that make you? Where are you? Can you point to exactly where you are? Are you this? Are you with this in here? If you cut off an arm, is the arm still you? Or do you identify it as a functioning part of your body? You are a robot. Technically speaking, you are energy. You're an energy being. Call it a soul. Call it whatever you want. The body simply moves around and collects data for you. If you reach out for a cup, it's because you commanded your body like an automated machine to reach out for the cup to bring it to your mouth. More so than just that, everything you touch is turned into electricity. Why? So you as an energy being can consume it so that you can become aware of it. Everything you hear is converted to what? Electricity. Everything you see is converted to electricity. Everything you taste is converted into electricity. Everything is converted into electricity because you are an electrical being, a host, like a person driving a car. The car 
is the body. You are the individual. You are the soul within it. You are an energy being from that other dimension that has partaken or infused with this dimension. This is my question. Two problems with that. First being nothingness is almost completely incomprehensible to me. I understand. The second is that even with the vacuum and nothingness and tension, there were still, as you say, like electrons or whatever, slowly. I guess my one problem with where I always thought that God would be intelligible ever is because the creation is almost sometimes an act of will. Because where did the electrons come from? Where did have nothingness? You have to have something. Where did that come from? It seems like there had to be something. The electrons came from the vacuum. Okay? Where did the vacuum come from? The vacuum came from absolute nothingness. Absolute nothingness creates the vacuum because there's nothing to fill it. There's nothing to push on it. There's nothing to fill it. There's no air to push the walls of space. It's it's very hard to conceive. The only thing I could probably say to you is to pick up maybe some books from Stephen Hawkins and, and really take a physicist's point of view. The universe is so, so vast that if we ever got to the edges of it, if it did have an end, we are so tiny that the weight in the middle of the sandwich, because it's not being supported, if you have a sheet and you pull it out on all four corners and you hold it tight, okay, no matter how tight you have it, doesn't it sag a little in the middle? Think of the universe that way, okay? That's sagging. You're, you're feeling the weight of You're trying to hold that weight up, okay, and it's pressure. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you're really not holding it up, but it exists. Do you see what I'm saying? Even for the universe, it's so big that, that there is a pressurization of type. Okay? That pressurization is an influx. It's, it's something that's unstable. It's, it's not calculable. It just simply exists. It's just because it's so vast. And this instability is what creates a form of absolute finite energy. It's so fine, it's like, it's like dust to us. It's almost undetectable. But it exists. And because it exists, it instabilizes or it creates a form of energy. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a molecule. It's smaller than molecules. It's, it's smaller than particles. Okay? It's smaller than anything. We, can, we can't even film it. We don't even have the technology to even see it. As far as we know, all of these things, we know they exist. They're like tachyons, per se. They're, they're, they move through the planet at like 2,000 miles per hour, billions of miles per hour. They're moving through us right now. Okay? But it's so infinite, so absolutely finite that it's almost inconceivable for us to perceive. And that's where it all came from. It will take time. There'll come a point where you'll see it in your mind. You'll you'll know it as much as you can feel that cup in your hand for sure. Let's just say there is ways that mystical people, people of great spiritualness, Christ, Buddha, Krishna, enlightened people, they knew a knowledge far beyond themselves. Somehow, some way, they could just understand things, much how I know things. Well, I told you before that all of the thoughts of the world, from every species, from every creature, from all of time, is collectively as energy. It's everywhere. So there is a collective database of information from the planet. It's just stored electrically. Remember when I said to you earlier, one of the reasons why I like computers so much is that I found that there was a truth between computers and spirituality? That's what I'm saying. If you think about memory in a computer, it floats. It's just here. If you unplug the power, it collapses. It's gone. The point is, is this energy, this information is floating, much like it would be in a memory chip. There's energy here from the sun, so it, it constantly has an electrical field providing it here. I believe, and I teach, that one can reach what is called the mind of Gaia. 
In ancient words, it was called the Akashic Records, the totality of all knowledge. Well, I believe that if one can harmonize like a tuning fork their mind, their consciousness, to the vibration of the planet, you can almost want to know anything you want to know. It just comes to you. It just makes sense. It's, it's like it's like you always knew it. You just didn't know how. It's like remembering an old memory that was kind of stagnant. All of a sudden, you started to remember it. So the answers to things that I'm giving you is where it comes from this place, per se. So when I say to you, someday if you learn, you'll understand what I mean. You'll see it. That's the only way that I can describe it to you. It'll just make sense. Do you believe that God now has its development has a consciousness? Does God have a consciousness? Yes, it has a consciousness, but no. For us to conceive how God's mind works is so different than our thinking. Okay, Imagine right now what goes through the mind of a, of a snail or a slug or an ant. I mean, you can kind of conceive it, okay? Now, we can conceive it because we can observe it. We are the observers looking at it. We have watched movies. We've watched studies. We've watched scientific stuff and the chemicals they, they use and stuff, okay? Now, go from the retrospect and the opposite. We've barely begun to explore our own solar system, for crying out loud. Just We've only been to the moon, let alone Mars, okay? So, to conceive God, do you understand? I always say, you know, if you want to conceive the size of God, hold a grain of beach sand in your hand. That is the size of our solar system inside of that grain of sand. Now, look at your feet, and you will see the, the whole beach sand at your feet, and it will go about 10, 20 feet deep. Think of all the grains of sand below you, each a solar system in themselves. Then, look to your right for 10 miles down the beach as it begins to disappear. And that's one part of the universe heading in one way. And then look to the other 10 more miles and imagine each grain of sand that's there. That'll give you a slight concept of how vast our universe is. Now, to conceive God, how God thinks, I do have the answers and I know the truth of it. If you want, I will tell you. Your brain, as I said earlier, works on low radiation impulses. Those low radiation impulses basically tell your heart to pump, your liver to function, your kidneys to function, how to function, whatever. You're not really aware of it, but in your super subconscious, there is a, there is a level that you are aware of it because yogis can control themselves. There's different people who can do different things from holding their breath to everything else. That means they've tapped into that super subconscious. They're utilizing that inner verse, that inner dimension of their, their body. Well, I don't believe in astrology ruling our lives. But I do believe that we as a species are manipulated somehow, some way, to some degree. And that manipulation comes from solar radiation. You see, all the stars in the universe are like the neosynapses of the brain in our brain. Releasing sparks of information or data that moves across the expansionness of our brain to other, part, to other points that reciprocate it. So do all the stars in the universe that reach us by light is also solar radiations and millions and millions of frequencies like a giant orchestra playing its rhythm upon a small ball. So we are impacted constantly by all these different pitches and frequencies. And because we are electrical beings, because our brain, on all creatures' brains, are, re are receptive to this, I believe it manipulates and affects us as societies and giant organisms moving as, as, as units upon the planet. So God communicates 
through the stars, I believe. It's, it's through solar radiations, much the way that you communicate without really realizing it through the electrons in your brain that manipulate all the other electrons in your body like little points. And that's how God thinks is solar radiation versus basically the radiation in your own mind. Different galaxies and universes and solar systems are in retrospect communicated to the same way your brain will separate your heart from your kidney or your liver or various different organs in your throat, all very different than any other, all with a specific different function, all made out of very specific billions of living organisms that have never been seen or is the same than the other organisms in your body. They would be aliens if they moved from one point to the other. So is it in macroverse, the larger verse for God, same thing. Does God think? I think of God as being more like an organism than I think of it being a self-thinking type thing. I don't think that God has intention, meaning, you know, a divine plan for the earth or a divine plan. I think that God has an awareness to us the same way that you have an awareness for your hand or your thumb. You're protective of it. You use it. But you don't think about all the organs inside of it or the tendons or the muscles or the blood flowing through it or all of the, the very complex things that make it. You just simply see it as a, as a thing that you use. But if something happens to it, you react to it. Okay. If it's endangered, you, you react to the pain that, that is emanated from all of these millions of, of cells saying, hey, help us. Okay. So it would be the same effect if, if the planet was endangered, per se. Maybe our consciousness would reflect out and it would feel like a little tiny pinprick in, in its palm for some reason. He just goes to scratch it. But in a much different way than, than having hands and a body and everything. You must understand we're using analogies. Right. That there is a, a level of awareness, but it's not the kind of awareness that, that we perceive. Are you aware of your, your liver right now working? Are you aware of your kidneys? But yet they're there, yet they're part of you, yet they function for you. But there's no awareness unless you feel pain, unless you feel death. I believe that God basically kind of not aware, but, but is aware because it is a part of it. Right. So I believe that his energy and his body, you could say that the planets and the star are the flesh and the blood. The matter, okay? And God's soul, his consciousness is intertwined. Like your mind is intertwined. Your energy is intertwined with your body, the mass. So electrically, you are the spirit or the force to your microverse in your body. They succumb to you. If you become depressed, they become depressed and don't function. If you become positive, they become positive. Well, I don't think God has depressions or not depressions, but I do think that there's, there's a sense of energy that can affect us from him. And we, we are receptive to it. I also believe that you can tap this energy and do amazing and powerful things from it if you simply just know how to do it. Call it tapping the force, the power of the force. Call it whatever you want. Be a Jedi warrior. doesn't matter. In truth, in the end, all of these stories come from a true source. So the point is, is there is a way to tap the force. There is a way to tap energy as a singular being. And you can consume this energy in you. You can change your tonal, your vibration, like a tuning fork. Remember how I said God was a very high vibration and there was lower dimensions going down. We're at like the lower vibrations. We're moving at 10 miles per hour where everything is moving 75, 100 miles per hour. If we could raise our frequencies to these speeds, you could be like the car driving next to the other car and see what's going on. You can raise your tonal to like 100 miles per hour. You can conceive and become a vibration with God and that's called enlightenment. And you simply act here in this, this dimension, using that knowledge and that power. I believe that it is possible to tap what I call a super energy, a superpower beyond all of our comprehensions. 
And I believe it's absolutely possible. I believe it's a state of consciousness that does it. And it's refined, it's through study, it's through practice, et cetera, et cetera. And one can achieve amazing, amazing things. I don't believe that. I believe once you can consume this energy, everything needs an exchange of energy. A car does not run without gasoline. A tree does not grow without waters and minerals. Fire does not burn without wood or fuel. Everything in our universe uses an exchange of energy. So when one can learn to absorb prana, I can show someone how to draw in this energy. And when you consume mass quantities beyond even what a martial artist would do for Kung Fu to absorb chi and use it to throw somebody across the room, imagine being able to absorb a hundred million times that amount inside of you so that you can do amazing psychic things from heal the sick to see other dimensions to things that I wouldn't even want to put on tape. These are the things that one can do once they learn how to tap into this kind of power, this kind of energy, and it does exist. If God exists, is there evil? Is there an opposite power? And my answer to that is, there is. But it's not like a, a devil with horned feet or anything like the Bible would conceive or anything. I mean, stealing something is not considered evil. It's considered immoral, unethical, wrong. To, to beat up somebody is not a good thing either. That could be considered more evil, okay? I believe, first of all, I will give a, a great secret, the meaning of life. Everybody says, what is the meaning of life? I'll tell you what the meaning of life is. The meaning of life is to experience. You are an energy being in a physical body here to experience what you couldn't do as energy. As energy, you don't have nasal glands. You can't smell. You don't have eardrums. You can't hear. You can't see. You don't have eye cones in your eyes. You can't taste. You don't have taste glands. You can't touch. So as energy, this whole universe doesn't exist. This is like a smorgasbord of experience. This is like to a, a, a seven-year-old Disneyland to a soul because we can experience things we've never conceived before. So what you, you're doing is you're tied into this body that can allow you to experience stuff. It, it transforms data. It transforms experiences into energy so that, so that it can become part of your consciousness. So when I say to you the meaning of life is to experience, it's to experience the sun on your face. It's to feel the moisture on your toes. It's to feel the wind on your face. It is to hear the birds sing. It is to, to kiss. It is to hug. It is to, to roll in the dirt. It's to, to play in the snow. It's, it's to laugh. The meaning of life is to experience. It's to do everything we can't do as energy beings. That's not to say that being an energy being is bad. It's to say that this is meant to be a, another experience that's absolutely beautiful, a creation that is to be conceived, to be tasted, to, to be enlivened, and to do anything that is the opposite of that, to not experience it's sinful, true sinful. You see, everything that's living, unless it is polluted chemically or somehow screwed up for its natural sensory, has one thing in common. It has a natural desire to live. Animals that are stupid don't run off cliffs. Insects fear death. Everything has a sense of life. Everything. It wants to live. Why? Because we are infused with the, the force. We are infused with this energy that tells us to exist. The same energy that says to your body, says to every soul, live, exist, function for the greater. So do we function for the greater of the planet. So does the planet function for the solar system. So does the solar system function for the galaxy. And the galaxies for the universes. And perpetuates until it becomes one consciousness of God. There is a next concept, and that is evil. So what is evil, and how did evil come into existence? What makes us sure that it exists? Well, if God exists, and God per se was the Big Bang, for every action, there is an equal or greater reaction. If I push on you, I can only push you so far before the couch and the mass of the floor and everything retracts and it almost pushes me back, okay? So if 
there was the Big Bang, I ask you, where is the equal and opposite or greater reaction to the creation of the universe? Where is this opposite opposing force of energy? Where does it exist? It exists. It is the dark side. It is the negative side. It wants anti-life, or better words, anti-matter. Anti-matter is the opposing force of life, of stars, of planets, of universes, of everything. So now, understanding that there is an opposing force of energy, and there is a positive force of energy, which is really what we're a part of, you now can conceive the concept of potentially evil. So evil isn't stealing someone's car, it's immoral and unethical is what it is. Right. Taking someone's pocketbook is immoral and unethical, not a sin, not the devil, not evil. What is evil is the suppression or the killing of life. When one would kidnap someone and suppress them and lock them up in a room and, and, and avoid them of touch, of smell, of, of new things, of new experiences, then that is considered the dark side. That would be considered a suppression, a will of darkness, a will of what I consider evil. To kill life is wrong. To kill life, to destroy life, to, to want to kill life is, is, a, is a bad thing, is a wrong thing. To mentally torture someone to make them have suppressive feelings, to, to recluse, to recoil emotionally is evil. Because it is the meaning of life, is again, to experience so those things would be considered evil. In my opinion, the dark side wants to eradicate life. Anything that flourishes with life is an opposing force to the dark side. It's an opposing force of, of, of something that's created. You see, when the universe was created and expanded, the opposing force wanted what? It wanted it to become nothing. So it wanted to, to quench it. It wanted to squash it, make it disappear, because it's an opposite reaction. So anything that has to do with life flourishing the dark side is attracted to as an equal and opposing or greater force. It's a reaction. Being that the dark side is everywhere as much as there is everywhere positive force, it's kind of like oil and vinegar. You can look at oil and vinegar and they're separated. They float on top of one, one another, vice versa. Okay, But when you shake them vigorously, it looks like one pink hue. But if you look closely, you see the little oil dots and you see the little bubbles of vinegar. So they're still very separate, but they're so definitive that you can't even tell. Well, that's kind of like the energy of the force in the dark side. It's everywhere. So whatever you attract is what you will consume as an energy, and it will be utilized in that way, in a negative way or in a positive way. Even though the dark side sees most human beings as something it dislikes, it's not unlike the dark side to utilize or empower someone to do destruction in this dimension. It sees it as a tool. So some people turn to what I consider the dark side to use these energies to create death and destruction or mayhem to help throw a board into the cycles of life to jam it. Dark side is a very real thing in my opinion, and so is the force a very real thing. The dark side simply is attracted to the earth for one very good reason. I believe that if the earth is living as a living organism, so is every planet in the universe alive somehow, some way. Maybe not as advanced as the earth as a living organism, maybe in some cases more than the earth. But as the earth flourishes with life, as it flourishes with intelligence more so than just life, we are seen as a very, very deadly opposition. We are very much a opposing organism in space. So as we flourish in life and the force grows stronger with us, so does the dark side accumulate and find points that it can crack into us to, to, to somehow eradicate or spoil this process. 
you know, I hear a lot of people say that population is really bad and, you know, we're more like a disease on the planet and this and that. This is all untrue. Granted, all things have their highs and lows. You could even say that a baby can pollute a womb, you know, or a mother can die giving birth. There is certain factors of life that are unstable. Nothing is perfect. I see the earth as a living organism growing, and I see that the human race has some instabilities, but it collected consciously wise is realizing certain things. We need to take care of the planet now. We need to clean it up. So we're going at highs and lows, highs and lows as we progress as an organism collectively. But the real threat to the dark side and which is the divine plan. You see, some people will say, well, how can satellites be part of, you know, the, the planet and stuff? Well, it's all part of the higher functioning. You have arms to reach out and touch with. What does the planet have to reach out to? There's nothing. So it's expanding, but it's collectively using its sensory. You have eyes to see. It's kind of creating its own eyes in its evolutionary stages, you might say. It has its own way of creating its sensory. We are a part of that. It's all normal. Our evolution, we started off with basically what is called a reptilian brain, which is about the size of a, you know, maybe a two, three inches. Then we have was mammalian, and then we have neocortex. What happened? We evolved. The circuitry advanced, and it got better and better and better and faster and faster. Well, this is what telephones are, and fiber optics, and, and satellites now, and everything. This is the circuitry. This is the nerves, the tendons. Call it whatever you want. of the planet, which is evolving as a thing, and it's becoming more alive. It's getting older and more advanced. It's finding its form. And what the dark side is afraid of is that, much like all things on this planet, that procreates. It creates more of itself. Every species on our planet multiplies. So is this planet a hermaphrodite type, like a worm, like other species. It doesn't need a male or female. It has both qualities in it. will use us like a tree pollinating another tree in the distance it can't reach out to. We will go to the stars. We will create spacecraft. We will create ships. And we will pollinate the moon. We will pollinate Mars. We will create terraform life. We will bring all of the DNA. What is the DNA? We will bring our fruits and trees will grow. We'll create water. We'll create atmosphere. We'll create the temperature. We'll create everything that's similar to our home, our DNA, thus mimicking ourselves over and over in the universe, which is what to the force. It sees us multiplying, expansion of life advancing life and the dark side is very opposed to this it's opposed to us because it sees us potentially doing this and so it wants to hold us back it wants to prevent this it wants to keep this from happening you cannot look at a hundred years in our point of view a hundred years seems like a long time to but to a planet that's billions of years old per se a hundred years is, is like maybe 10 years the purpose of the planet it is a, a living organism and it intends to to expand and it will expand we all know it we all know what our plan is. We know we're going to go out to the stars. We can feel it. Most of us already are craving to go out to the universe like we were made to do it. But our souls already came from a place that had the knowledge and know-how so we can indoctrinate it into the rest of the world. I believe that you can see a lot of similarities, not all complete similarities, but a lot of similarities in our bodies versus the world. And some people will say, well, what are enlightened people? What are people who seek out spiritual teachers and they evolve to this level? And I said to them, well, if we were going to use the body, then you could say that they were white cells. And everybody else are red cells. The people who have no interest in this serve the planet. They serve as an organism contributing to the planet. And I says, the spiritual people, the very least spiritual people, feel the, the rhythm of the planet. They feel the life of the planet. They have a, a, a keenness to it. 
and they are the protectors. They are the sensory of a higher level, much like the white cells in the body tend to be able to communicate and understand one another. The red cells just kind of do their thing and just march along and whatever. The white cells are still protecting the red cells. They're protecting what is the invasion, what is coming from the outside that they are oblivious to. The white cells have a sense of knowing a virus. A virus could be considered, per se, something that's the dark side. It's an anti-life, it's destruction or multiplication of another life that will only lead to death and decay. And they fight it. They tend to learn, or somehow they hold an arcane knowledge. As if when other white cells die, their experiences are given to the new white cells so that they can adapt quickly to continue the battle in ways and learn from the other ones, much like reincarnation. Old souls reincarnating into new lives are two places that they are necessary to be because of their old knowledge from other battles. In my opinion, I teach people this kind of knowledge that I'm sharing with you because I believe some people are what I call sleepers. And to a sleeper, hearing what I'm saying on this tape is absolute truth. It's, they feel it. They know it. it it's, it's exhilarating. It's as if their whole life they were searching for something, and they never quite could put their finger on it. But life in general did not feel complete. It's as if there should be something more dimensionally or physically or something beyond it all. Call it wizardry or magic or something. But something felt lessened. And it's because I believe that these old souls carry knowledge from being dimensional beings. Red souls don't. They just live their new souls and I think that most of them don't have souls. I think they're biochemical beings with electrical energy that serve the planet. I believe that they can develop souls. I believe that they concentrate. Even Einstein says that he didn't necessarily believe that everybody had a soul, but he did believe that we were made of energy. You can't destroy energy. You can only recreate it. So the concept is, is he believed that if one can learn to control the energies within one's body, one can control themselves as they remove themselves from a body. And looking for a new host, meaning another body, an incarnation willing to. And that I also believe that red cells have to contribute to the planet's consciousness. White cells don't. Red cells live their life. They experience, touch, smell, everything. And then when they die, their energy is like a sugar cube going back into the ocean to the great collective. It becomes a greater consciousness with all of it. It becomes the accuracy records, as I said earlier. While white cells, if they awaken, if they continue their path, they simply do like white cells in your body. They seem, seem to leap into another new fresh white cell to continue their battle that they were pursuing. I believe that the earth has a vibration that constantly pushes you to, to be a red cell. That's how it keeps red cells red cells. And I believe it eliminates certain states of consciousness. This is why there's a student-teacher relationship. Because the teacher, obviously, through demonstrating this kind of knowledge, has somehow progressed to some point that he could attain this information and hold it all together. The fact that I could share it with you, and I've known it for years, simply relates to the fact that I must be exercising and being whatever it is that I'm saying. So therefore, it is my experience as a teacher is what you want. It is what you must seek. It's the bridge. It's the arm reaching out to pull you over. If you don't take it, you fall back into what you always have been, asleep, a sleeper. If a part of you awakens and is drawn to this, you will not only just grab onto the arm, you will pull up vigorously and embrace the opportunity because you can see it as a truth higher than anything found so far. To do otherwise, in my opinion, is foolish. But I don't think this path is right for everybody. I think this is a very selective path. So through a teacher, a teacher shows you things, exercises, things to do, 
allows you to see things that are incomprehensible to your imagination. And it's through those experiences that make you stronger, that embrace the surety of, of this is real. I mean, you don't think that this is where it stops. All no, this information right. that I've taught you is, is nothing. It's, it's the very beginning. It's like taking a step out your door when you're ready to take a journey to Brazil to experience and go through the whole country. You've only now just been introduced to the truth. The rest is the greatest adventure of a lifetime. There is no other choice in the end. It's very addictive. I believe that once somebody would discover this tape, that it came into their hands because it was the will of karma or the universe or whatever, that, that it came to you. And it is really up to you to pursue the teacher. It's for you to pursue whatever it is that's meant for you. This is the conclusion of the Higher Balance Expansion Module, The Source Realized. A lot of people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now. Order your set and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. Meditation, it's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken or whether you just simply drift. Energy, more than just a thought but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions, more than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather a vivid reality so clear it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life, consciousness expanding, memory improvement, 
inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 